have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, we continue our interview now with Dan Charnas, author of The Big Payback, The History of the Business of Rap. Your book, obviously, The, the Big Payback, uh, the title, well, the word payback, it implies that hip-hop made a fair amount of money off of it, so to say. Does this also suggest in a, some way that this, the money aspect of hip-hop actually has compromised the culture, or, or yes, no? I mean, what do you think? In my book, I don't get into the sort of, and this is like a trope of hip-hop, this is a cliché of the way that we talk about hip-hop, like, well, you know, that's a sellout, right? right. Uh, and what Jay-Z, you know, Jay-Z did Hard Knock Life, and he sampled Little Orphan Annie, and, you know, that's a sellout. You know, I, I look at it a completely different way. Jay-Z is one of the few, you know, it was a, a part of a legion of young black artists um, who, unlike in any genre before, were able to actually control a bigger piece of their music, a bigger piece of their intellectual property, a bigger piece of their brand than ever before. Hip-hop did provide a new paradigm, I think, for young Americans, and specifically young black Americans, that you, know, you don't have to sell out, water down, in order to be successful. And if I could attribute that ethos to anyone, like if it started somewhere, I would say that it started with Russell Simmons. You know, there's a great story in the big pack, payback about Menachem Golan reading an article about a very early on Russell Simmons in the Wall Street Journal. And Menachem Golan wanted to hire Russell Simmons to consult with him on a movie that he wanted to call, I think, Rapping, right? And Russell Simmons hears him out and says, you know what, if I make a movie with you, with what you want to do to this, I will lose everything that I've worked so hard for. And that's Russell Simmons in, 19, in 1984, you know? Right. I think we all became cognizant that white America was, was, you know, young white Americans specifically was now officially ready to not have their stuff watered down for them. I think they were ready for the real thing. And the Afrocentric movement of hip-hop I think had a lot to do with that. Why do you think hip-hop has not, or maybe it has, but has not been uh, replaced? Or be, well, why do you think a white face has not been the, I guess, the poster boy for hip-hop? Well, of course, that was the great fear, right? right. You know, um, whenever, uh, I mean, it had been sort of, the, and again, the American cliche of there's this, there's this stuff that, uh, you know, the black folks are doing. You know, it's race records, it's this. It's, it's something outside of the mainstream, and then w white artists swoop in, white producers swoop in, and whiten it up. Um, white performers re-record the songs that black performers do, and that that's what gets p played on pop stations. What hip-hop proved is that hip-hop produces some great artists uh, out of New York, and, like Run DMC. And Run DMC becomes the first hip-hop act to sell millions of records. And you can't sell millions of records in America 
um, unless you have a white audience, right. really. I mean, it's, it's going to be a balance, but, you know, plenty of their fans were young white kids. And when the Beastie Boys came out, the refrain was, oh, the sky is falling. That's it. They, you know, it's the El- they're the Elvis of hip-hop. And they did sell more than Run DMC. Run DMC's Raising Hell was $3 million. Beastie Boys was $4 million. But the Beastie Boys were handily topped by MC Hammer. Vanilla Ice, he sells less albums than Hammer and lasts, you know, much less, you know, has much less longevity than Hammer. But Vanilla Ice Um, was, I'm sorry, Vanilla Ice was pretty much like a, a, it was was just a marketing ploy, right? I mean, it's... I'm sure, I'm sure Vanilla Ice and Tommy Kwan would contest that. He was a real person, uh, and he did have some kind of talent, and he was a great dancer, and... He was a good rapper for his area of the country, and you know he had both black and white fans, believe it or not, for that song. Um, it just wasn't, you know, up to the par of our New York, uh, you know, our New York aesthetics, shall we say. <laughs> uh, and and Vanilla Ice wasn't needed. And again, it just showed the how white programmers really seized on Vanilla Ice because they saw him again as this archetype. Okay, well, white rapper, we can deal with this, right? right? Yeah. But in the end. It wasn't the Vanilla Ices and the Beastie Boys that had the kind of longevity in pop music that we would expect of an Elvis. It was, it was, it, you know, it were black black artists did, um, and even to the extent that when Eminem came out, again, the sky is falling. Here's the Elvis of hip hop, but and and Eminem, of course, is a top seller. But listen. It's Jay-Z and Eminem, right? Right. Not Eminem. And it's actually Jay-Z, 50 Cent, and Eminem, not Eminem. So Eminem shares the field with black artists who are just as big, if not bigger, than him. Um, And one Eminem did not beget a legion of white rappers um, basically uh, taking opportunity away from their black counterparts. And that's the cultural difference in hip hop. And frankly, I think it's the cultural difference in the gener- in the hip hop generation. We don't need white translators, right? Um, and it's I, I'm an optimist. You know, I think it's part of a changing America. I know there are people who would contest, you know, my assertion, and we can have a long conversation about that. But I do believe that hip hop changed things, and that. For sure, is one of the things that hip hop changed. See, while others explore to make it hardcore, I make it hard for whack MCs to even step inside the door. All right, Dan, we have to leave it there. We'll continue this next week. Thanks for joining us so far. The book is The Big Payback. Author Dan Charnas. I'm Tim Meinekel at the library. You can go to my website, don'trushthestage.com. This is Andy Don't Stop Radio. Claims to drop jewels, but for now you do the catching. I don't worry on what crew you run or what section of earth you reside. You're not even a man, so I don't deem it mandatory taking your pride. But I will, because my man says so for the light. You cry keeping it real, yet you should try keeping it right. Cause understand the phone